Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hey, artists, and welcome back to another amazing episode today. We are diving in with Laura Cleary-Williams, a visual artist based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who explores ephemeral abstract landscapes through drawing, painting, and mixed media. Laura, you're here. I'm so happy you're here. And can I just start by saying it has been such a joy and an honor to get to know you over the past couple of years. You're so sweet, Victoria. <laughs> You've gone from one thing to the next, and now your gallery is opening here soon or open. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been such a journey. I know. It's like we've grown together, I think, in a lot of ways, which has been really cool. And, you know, I've seen you just, well, so many things, and we're going to dive into all of it. But, you know, you have. I think really started to put yourself out there so much more. Like that's been one of the coolest things for me to see. And um, I just know you're going to have so many valuable things to share with our listeners today. So I want to start by asking you, just tell us about your journey as an artist. When did it begin? How has it evolved? We're ready to hear it. Um, yeah, it's funny. A lot of people say that their journey began at a certain point in school or later in life. Um, for me, it was very, very young. I actually grew up across the street from my elementary school art teacher. Um, and she was the first person to say, you don't have to be a lawyer like every other member of your family. Um, you can instead be an artist. And um, I have truly wanted to be an artist since I was about five years old. From there, I I went to a high school with a very good art program. I went to um, the Museum of Fine Arts Art School. Um, they have a joint program with Tufts University. And then I got a full scholarship to SCADS, uh, printmaking master's. Um, and from there, I went on to open my own um, print studio with a couple of my friends from graduate school. We all got to work with Kiki Smith, Valerie Hammond, and Krista who Krista Cotier went on to open the working artist program. Um, so we had this insane opportunity. So we had to open our own print studio after that. Um, and then from there, I went on to be doing my own thing. And I'm a full-time visual artist. Amazing. It's so cool. And I, I mean, I obviously am familiar with your journey, but I know that a lot of your work is rooted in printmaking. And that's been something that has continued to resurface. Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, your experience as a printmaker has continued to impact the work you create today? Sure. Um, so my heart is really in drawing. And I discovered that drawing and printmaking have this really beautiful relationship where printmaking sort of can capture the evolution of a drawing and can do things with mark making that you can't really do any other way. There's a um, a way that a print can capture a line that is uncapturable any other way. And that was what really drew me to printmaking. Um, and I never really fell in love with the repetitive process of printmaking, which is one of the reasons I, I've sort of moved on from it. Although my heart 
you know, my heart's still there. Um, but it became that the collaboration in printmaking is what kept me there for so many years. Being able to work so closely with other artists while they're in their process, while they're deep in the midst of making a piece and, you know, watching somebody like Kiki Smith sort of freak out about her pieces halfway through. I mean, that's, that's not something you get to do in every other medium. Um, I mean, I know that a lot of, you know, painters and sculptors also have studio assistants, but it's a little bit different when, you know, you're, you've got skin in the game of the making of a piece too. Um, and it was, it was very incredible to get to see artists with, you know, really big name and artists with, you know, almost no background have the exact same experience of making a print, making a piece from beginning to end. It was very, um, humbling and an honor to watch. Absolutely. I feel like printmaking is this alchemical process. It's just magical. Like you, (laughs) I took one, I mean, I took one printmaking class in college and it was not my strongest. It's half old school chemistry. (laughs) Yes. But it's, it really is like, I just remember when you get to the final stages of the print and you're like, oh, I didn't know how this was going to turn out, but this is you know, it's like there's this final reveal and it's the best feeling. And also, like you said, the collaboration is big. And I know that for you, you have such a passion for working alongside other artists and being in an artist community. And that's something we've talked about so much. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I've always been sort of an isolated bug. I I like working in my studio by myself and I'm making, but I learned to love working with other artists and I, you know, at post pandemic, we've all had crazy pandemic experiences, but for me, it was really, I missed other artists. I missed talking to other artists. I missed having openings with other artists. Um, and I think that that's what led me to doing the, doing the art fairs. Doing the art fairs has been really great because I've gotten to meet so many artists so quickly and it's made me get more involved with my own community, made me reach out to Atlanta, Nashville. And it's a very important part of our practice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're creating in the studio alone all the time. And uh, I think these connections that we can cultivate with fellow artists, it's a really beautiful thing. It's a really powerful thing. And it's something that we've had a lot of conversations about on the podcast, um, especially this season. Uh, so one of one question that I had for you is just thinking about the evolution of your work over time. And it's rooted in drawing. It's rooted in printmaking. Uh, how would you say it's evolved spe- like specifically over the last couple of years? Because as I've been getting to know you, I've seen so much growth creatively and such an evolution in your work. So I'd love to hear more about it. I think I have gotten bigger balls over the last year. <laughs> I have a background in realism, in portraiture. And um, I've always sort of leaned on that to, you know, help make rent, as it were. But it was something that my heart wasn't really in. And I think that this feeling of my heart not really being in it held me back from making bigger and bigger risks in my abstract work. Because I'd already felt like doing the abstract work was a risk enough. So now, you know, I'm, I'm letting myself dream bigger. You know, I want to do absolutely massive 
pieces. I want to do installations. I want to do video. And I have the experience to do those things, but I didn't have the inner strength to be like, not only do I want to be doing these things, I should be doing these things because that's where the work is leading me. And, you know, when I look at a, you know, a four foot by two foot painting, which I'm staring at right now, my brain is going, gosh, that's small. Um, and not just small in size, but small in scope, you know, in, in risk. I think that that has been the, the biggest change in my work. And it's not just the, the materials. It's not just the size. It's also been the vulnerability. You know, we've talked about this a good bit. I've become much more open about what my work is really about, much more vulnerable. And when I talk about my work, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I've had a lot of very intense mental health experiences over the last year. My work is about that. And I, I had really leaned away from that because I had this art as therapy, negative taste in my mouth. And I've learned how to talk about my work and as more than it's not because it's not just about a a therapeutic process for me. It's about, you know, this community that we're in, how our mind, how our inner strength is the state of it is so important to where the work is leading us. At least I think so. Yeah. It's so beautifully said. And uh, I agree. I think like using the term mental health experiences is actually, if that feels more accurate and it, we've, you know, we've had a couple of really powerful episodes on the podcast talking about art and mental health and just, I think being more open and creating a dialogue around these experiences that we have, especially in this post pandemic reality is absolutely essential. And it's something I was really nervous to talk about for a long time, you know, opening up about um, some of my own struggles with anxiety and, and things like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I know that really one of your big objectives is to spark a dialogue around, yeah, around mental health. And that's such a powerful thing. And you can see it in just the, your work is so expressive and it has so much power to it. And it's, um, it's so moving and it's, there's an intensity to it. If you're listening, just you've got to look up uh, Laura's work, FYI. <laughs> we will inc- we'll include her work. We'll include a link to her work in the show notes. But, you know, if you can take a moment to look at her work while you listen to this conversation, you will really understand what we're talking about here. I'm very open about the fact that I, I survived a suicide attempt. Uh, I mean, a very serious one. I was in a coma. I, not, I came out of it, you know, I was also in a mental health hospital for a few days. And that was truly one of my deepest fears. Um, And it wasn't even a fear that I I recognized I was that terrified of until I, until I lived through it. Um, And it, it had a very, it still has a very lasting effect on me. I'm still having, having night terrors from it. Um, But I, I also went into a residency a couple months after I got out and, um, I was shocked that every other, I think every other artist that I encountered, um, had dealt with similar issues or had friends or family that had dealt with similar issues. And 
I had never thought that there were so many people who were struggling with the same things I was. You know, I had a, I had a conversation with an artist this week. It was, you know, they were saying they struggle with it every day and that had been my life. And, you know, us not talking about that as artists, us, you know, in the studio and, and really struggling with, you know, not just making the work, but whether or not we want to exist, we have to be talking about that more, especially post pandemic when so much of us have been traumatized in some way, um, you know, either by the isolation or the lost opportunities or, you know, the setbacks. Um, it, it has to be part of our dialogue. And, um, you know, Victoria knows I've been working on some show proposals that have been really difficult for me to write because they require me to say, you know, we need to be talking about this and I want my work to be, you know, part of that open dialogue, um, which I think is a scary thing, you know, to put out there when you're, you're trying to ask somebody to, you know, say, is, you know, is my, I believe my work is good enough for a solo show. Do you think my work is? It's a scary, it's a scary thing to admit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for being so open and being so vulnerable. It's one of the things that I just appreciate about you. One of the many things I appreciate about you so much. You are an open book and uh, you share your experience because you want others to know that they're not alone. And that's a beautiful thing and that there's a lot of power in that. And I do think, especially coming out of the pandemic, you know, I've talked to a lot of artists and I experienced this as well, where in a way, the pandemic, from for, I don't even know if I would say for many of us, but for some of us, it provided us with time. And in a way, that was a gift, despite how treacherous it was. And there was so much hardship and so much uncertainty and a lot of anxiety, but it did provide many of us with time, the gift of time to create in our studios. I've had so many conversations with artists who said, you know, that their work shifted tremendously during the pandemic because they all of a sudden had time to focus on it and change direction. That's an amazing thing. But, you know, I love that you brought up the isolation piece because that is a very real thing that we've had to really navigate. And I've also, you know, while I've had those kinds of conversations with artists, also had conversations with artists and just creatives in general who have talked about how while having that gift of time was a beautiful thing, the isolation and just that feeling of being so cut off from artists and from community was incredibly difficult and that they're still trying to figure out how how to navigate that. So, yeah. you know, for you sharing your experience and, uh, you know, what you went through uh, last year, um, it's just, it's really valuable and it's part of a, a bigger conversation. And I wanted to ask you how, I mean, I love that you said you got bigger balls because I've noticed that. <laughs> um, and that's a great way of putting it. But how else? Because like there was a huge shift in your work after the experience that you're describing, you know, last year where you did have the the suicide attempt and um, you came out of that and you, you know, took time to heal. And I think I saw you really healing through your art, which was... I feel like saying that that was a beautiful thing to witness is an understatement. It was just such a memorable and deep, pr profound thing to experience. Um, but how how would you say your work uh, started to shift like within the past nine months? A lot of my work is about relationships 
And I hadn't really been honest about that when I talked about my work. I talked about my obsession with line. I talked about the, you know, escapism aspect of my work, how there's sort of a, I'm a, I have a very deep love of fantasy. And, and that was an element that I talked about in my work. But I hadn't really talked about how, you know, as I'm autistic. And so relationships, not even romantic relationships, just friendships, acquaintances are, are difficult for me. Um, and not necessarily in like a, like a, a technical way. It's more that just like navigating them is always just a lot of work for me. And so when it came to my newest body of work, I was very open about, you know, I'm feeling anger about, you know, this person walking out of my life, or I'm feeling frustration that I didn't understand that this person was, you know, so dear to me or so toxic for me, or, you know, it, it really became about how I didn't recognize how the people in my life were affecting me and how I potentially was affecting them. And I don't know why that was such a, a fraught thing for me to talk about, but it really was. And, um, one of the things that I, I, I left the experience in, um, in last April was I was told to learn to be more comfortable with discomfort and, I have really embraced that and I've let myself, you know, through the work, find things that make me uncomfortable and let that be okay. The color and some of my newer work is based on my scars and how uncomfortable I've been with my scars. The black and white work that I'm working on now makes me uncomfortable because I feel like some of the most celebrated work right now is very brightly colored and that, you know, having that knowledge and feeling different is, is hard for me because part of my autism is, is watching how other people behave and emulating it because it's almost like rules that I can follow and feeling like I'm going against those rules is, is difficult, but the work is leading me to black and white. It's what I, it's what the path I need to follow. Um, so I think it's things like that. It's, you know, it's, um, it's a more honest examination of where I am and where I'm going that has really opened up my work to being this healing place for me because it's a lot more vulnerable. It's a lot more open and that authenticity is, is healing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your work has for sure become more vulnerable. I've noticed that. And it is hard just to validate you. And also for anyone who might be listening and feeling this way, it is hard when you see trends in the art world and your work feels like a little bit of a departure. But I will say your work, and I've, you know, I know I've told you this so many times, but your black and white work is it's some of the most amazing work I've ever seen. And I truly, truly mean that. It's it's like, you know, we just had this conversation recently. When you eliminate color, you focus more on the mar the mark making. And your mark making is like, you know, you could scribble on a piece of paper and it's, I look at it and I'm like, this is gorgeous. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> because it's just the, I don't know. It's like your hand, the way that you draw, 
Um, and I'm not surprised at all that your work is so heavily rooted in drawing because the way that you draw, the way that you make marks on paper, uh, there's a quality that is just so powerful. I mean, that's really the best way I can describe it. Like you feel something, it's moving. I think you have a way of channeling emotion into your mark making that is, it's just incredible. And it's something I haven't seen too much of. So I like, I just appreciate despite what you're seeing around you and what you're seeing on Instagram and this and that, you really um, listen to yourself and you're really dialed in. Like you're such an intuitive artist. And I feel like getting to know you, I've seen you trust your intuition more and more and really think about like what your work needs. And you've really started to let go of something we all experience, which is comparison. Um, And you've started to yeah, just like focus more on the work that you want to create and what you feel your work, your best work is. One of the things you and I have talked about is um, how I really felt at a young age that language was not a strength of mine. And I turned to drawing to become this language. And so I have had to accept that I have a larger vocabulary and mark making than I do in you know, the traditional English language. And, you know, when everyone else turned to whatever you turned to during the pandemic, I wrote a book. Um, and it was because I think I was so um, heartbroken that I was, I didn't have that language in, you know, writing and speaking that I did in drawing that I really wanted to do that once in my life or Actually, I've written a couple books, um, but I'm so grateful that I did that because it's actually made my work better. It meant that there was this dream I had that I got to go out and do. And because I've done that, I now have this extra strength that I can bring to my artwork. You know, it's like saying, I don't know, I always want to open a flower shop or I always wanted to uh, go to Antarctica or something like that. Now that I've done it, now that I've written a book, I can say, I did that, so what else is holding back the work? I don't know. I I really think that taking away all those other things has made my work stronger. Yeah. It's like you've stripped away the parts of your work that were no longer feeling aligned. And now you've like really started to align yourself to what feels true for you. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your work as a writer and your work as a visual artist. I didn't even mention in the intro that you are also a very talented writer and you kind of do both in tandem. Like how do they influence each other? And yeah, just tell us about that. Well, like I, like I said, you know, language has always been a difficult thing for me. And I really think part of it is being surrounded by so many lawyers. They use language like a weapon and it's very honed thing for them. And I, have a, as a, you know, somebody who's studied art history and art criticism, I have a very different language. And, um, I started accepting that I wanted to explore that more. So, you know, I wrote a, a young adult fantasy book and, you know, went through the whole, like had it edited and everything. I've yet to publish it, but I've done it. I've written two books like that. And I also write poetry. Um, and I, I put that into the work. I have a typewriter that my wife gave me and I used to 
write into the work, into my, you know, into my pieces in sort of this abstracted way. It's sort of like, um, honestly, it was kind of a fuck you to language. Cause it's like, you know, if, if you guys are having trouble translating my work, then I'm not going to translate it for you. So then taking a typewriter and typing what I was actually saying into the work, it's almost like broken poetry that I'm including. It's sort of a way of saying to my viewers you know what? You deserve to be let in a little bit more. You deserve to have a point of translation. And language can do that in the same way that mark making can. I truly believe that when you're angry, it shows in the drawing. Um, you know, when you're really joyful, it shows in the drawing. When you're hesitating, it absolutely shows in the drawing. Um, and I think it shows in the writing too. So um, I write on my typewriter the same way that I draw, you know, it's just, it's a very free form. It's very much so what's going through my mind while I'm working. Um, and no matter what that is, I put it into the piece. Um, and then at the, you know, after the work is done and, and put it into artwork archives and inventory, then I write about it. Then I write about what, you know, the drawing and the, the piece mean together, the, the writing and the drawing of it. I love that. I love that so much and just, uh, you know, appreciate how you found a way to integrate your writing with your art and vice versa and how, you know, it's just a reminder that our passions don't have to be separate. They can be, but we can also find creative ways to integrate them. And you've done that so beautifully and so seamlessly. And I can really feel when I look at your work, how the writing impacts the art and how the art impacts the writing. And I feel like you're in such a flow with it. I wanted to ask you what, because I've seen you grow so much, like within the past couple of years, just exponentially. I mean, you put yourself out there more. Your work has gotten stronger because I feel like you're pulling from a deeper place, as you're saying, a more vulnerable place. So given all the ways that you have grown in your art career, what advice would you give to emerging artists, to early career artists who are just starting out and, and finding their footing and wanting to increase visibility for their work and kind of get to the next level in their careers? I would say when it comes to social media, care more about consistency than about who's following or how you bring followed maybe care a little bit about who's following you and pay attention if artists or galleries that you really notice or care about are following you. And if they are, reach out. That was some advice a friend of mine from one of the super fine art fairs gave me that um, I followed and it's been really wonderful advice. Made some really good connections that way. The other thing I would say is don't be afraid to be selective about the opportunities you're going for. And don't be afraid to be really ambitious in the opportunities that you're going for. Because I think that is a mistake I was making. I think that I was concentrated on group shows that I thought I could get into instead of solo shows that I didn't think I could get into. And same for residencies and same for any other kind of um, opportunity. I was afraid of doing solo proposals until recently. And I think that that was a mistake. And I think that's a way that I am currently growing is that, you know, big proposals scared me and um, there's no reason for them to, you know, you, you have to 
inventory your work. You have to um, write about your work. You have to think about what and how you want your work to show. And, and I mean that in not just in terms of like how it's framed and how it's positioned, but I mean like how you want it ultimately do you want it in a big gallery? Do you want it in somebody's home? Do you want it in a commercial space? How do you see your work um, living? Um, I think that's really important. And for me, it's I want to be in museums one day. I want my work to be a, a big exhibition. Um, I want it to be more than just paintings. I want video and installations too. And I wasn't I wasn't letting the work guide me there. I was, and it wasn't until I realized that that was a dream that I started submitting to bigger and bigger things. Um, the other thing I would say is if you have an opportunity to do something like one of the art fairs where you have to talk about your work in front of literally hundreds of people, do it. Even if you just do it once, do it. Because having to talk about your work to complete strangers and having to do it over and over and over again will make you really know what your work is about. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, you need to listen to what other people are asking. You need to pay attention more to the person who is, you know, in front of your work and interested in it. But you also need to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth because you're, it's gold. Um, and you know, now I can do an elevator pitch about my work at the drop of the hat um, because I've done it hundreds of times. Um, and that was actually the advice that I would give to anyone when I was learning how to do printmaking was you know, the first time I did a soap ground or the first time I wiped a plate, I was terrible at it. And once I learned how to be okay at it, then I did it a hundred times. And once I'd done it a hundred times, I could do it in my sleep. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, wiping a plate or framing a painting or doing a realism piece or doing a big piece or a small piece or whatever it is that you want to do, do it a hundred times and you're not going to be scared of it anymore. You know, you're just going to do it. And I think that's true of proposals. I think that's true of submissions. Um, I also think it's true of going in and just talking to somebody I had an experience, I haven't even told you this, Victoria, I had an experience last week where I was dropping off work at a show in Atlanta, and I realized I was down in a city that I want to show in more, so I went into a couple of galleries that um, I wanted to have a relationship with. And one of them wasn't even a gallery I particularly saw myself showing it, it was just a gallery that I was very impressed by their curation. And so I walked in, and at the same time, another artist walked in behind me. And he walked up to the director and was like, you know, I'm an artist. This is my portfolio. I really want to, you know, what do you think? And the director basically was like, you know, your work is great. Um, here are a couple of galleries you should go look at. You know, goodbye. And the guy left. And instead, I went up to her and I was like, I really want you to tell me all about your show. I would love to see what you got in the back. Um, you went to Art Miami this year. Please tell me all of it about it. And she was between shows. She was about to hang a show. But the opportunity for her to stand around and just talk about what she did and what she loved, we had a great conversation. I was there for maybe 45 minutes. Um, it, building a relationship 
instead of just walking in the door and asking for something, I know that that director will remember my name and not the artist who walked in in front of me. And that is something that I didn't know a year ago. Actually, I was really impressed with the guy that walked in in front of me. And I would have, I wanted to stop him and be like, hey, you know, here's my card. I've, I've been doing this. I'd love to talk to you about like how to, you know, show your work, how to present yourself to a, a gallery. And, but um, it was, it was more, I am more excited that I now have a relationship with a, somebody who I was excited to meet than I am the potential of walking into a gallery and then being like, oh my God, your work is gorgeous. I'd love to show it. And that actually happened to me three weeks ago. I walked into a gallery. It was like, I love what you're doing. And now they're showing my work. Now they have my work in consignment. But I didn't know to do that a year ago. And I, I actually credit doing the art fairs and, you know, all my work over the last year and being so open and vulnerable about my work with me being able to do that because once you're used to talking about your work and once you're used to recognizing that the relationships are as important as any other aspect of the business, um, it, it really changes how you present yourself. Um, and I, it takes so much courage and I just encourage people to have that bravery because nobody's ever gonna, I mean, what's the worst that happens? Somebody says, you know, I'm too busy to talk to you. Okay, that's fine. Or, you know, I, you know, your work sucks. Okay, great. My work's not for you. It's nice to know that. Like those, those are the, that's your worst case scenario. Like, <laughs> you know, just, just go for it. Um, anyway. Yeah. That's such good advice. I just have to say, like, you touched on so many really, really important things. And I actually find it to be a really helpful practice as well to imagine the worst case scenario, because most of the time when you do that, you're like, oh, wait, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> like, like once really you kind not. of, yeah, once you visualize it and you're like, oh, yeah, well, I could deal with that. You know, if that's actually the worst thing that's going to happen, I could deal with that. But I, I just want to highlight what you said about uh, you know, the focus that you're putting on when it comes to building relationships with curators, with galleries, with anyone in the art world that you might want to work with, because it's it, like you said, it's not about immediately asking for the opportunity. It's building a relationship in a way that is thoughtful and mindful, the way that you would build a relationship with a new friend or with yes. any person that you would be interested in getting to know, and then seeing what opportunities might organically form from that relationship. But it's like the relationship is the foundation, and then whatever grows from that uh, you know, could be something really beautiful and fruitful for you. But you've got to start with the foundation. And when you you know, as you said, like when you approach a gallery director or a curator and you ask them questions in a sincere way about their journey or a recent experience, not only does it show you're actually interested in getting to know them and cultivating that relationship, also shows you've done your research. If you mention something that is, you know, like specific that you know that they've just participated yes. in and it's a beautiful thing. You know, I had a question about, you know, I'm, I'm flying up to New York, or I want to fly up to New York and show my work instead of driving it up to New York. And I had a question about, you know, do you think pieces presented on raw canvas in this very certain way, you know, unframed is a terrible idea? And they gave me great advice because, you know, they had just gotten back from 
Basil and and it was it, it wasn't just about them showing my work. It was about they actually have more to offer you than just showing or selling your work. They have so much experience. If you ask questions about, you know, to these directors or gallerists or anybody that you want to work with, the reason you want to work with them isn't just to show and sell your work. The reason you want to work with them is because they know things that you don't. And it's any friendship, you know? Um, So, yeah. yeah. That's so powerful. And also, what did they say about showing your about the raw canvas because I know we're going to get people writing in asking you know, <laughs> what is the so, answer to that question no please um, no because I was I was I was genuinely like you know can I because I mean let's let's all sit there and think about it you know driving to New York City with giant canvases versus you know flying to New York City with a you know a tube of rolled canvases are two very different experiences um, so their advice is essentially what I've been planning on doing, which is taking some smaller pieces because New York City small works, you know, sell a little bit better, smaller spaces. And also taking some really big pieces on rolled canvas because some people, you know, they have a very particular way that they want things framed. And it may not be the way that you want to frame something. And them for, you know, for them, you know, being like here, my plan is to then say, here's a framer. Here is, you know, somebody that can then do that. And I'm happy to help you walk you through that experience. For me, it's going to be more important that I have the opportunity to show some of my bigger work to bring people in to look at my work. Guys, I'm talking specifically about like one of these art fairs up in New York. Um, It's more important for me to get somebody into my booth because they see one of my bigger pieces and they think, wow, that's really interesting um, and then have a lot of other options for them and realize that, you know, I may, I probably am not going to sell one of the big pieces or a lot of the big pieces. Um, so that was the, that was the advice. Um, and she said that she's seen pieces on unframed rock canvas before, um, pieces suspended, you know, sometimes that's the way the artist wants to present them. And, um, there's nothing wrong with that. If people are interested in your work. They're going to make it work. Absolutely. And I think that's an important thing to remember as well. I mean, the presentation is obviously very important, but it's remembering that if someone is interested in your work, they'll invest in it. If they have that true emotional connection to it, they're going to invest in it. Um, I love that you brought up art fairs as well, because I was thinking about the residual sales that can come from that. And just, I mean, that could be a whole other conversation, but uh, just so many good points that you shared in terms of, you know, like, things we should be thinking about as we're growing our art careers and especially when it comes to cultivating relationships. I wanted to ask you as we start to wrap up what has been such a powerful and beautiful conversation. A great what, conversation. Such a good conversation that <laughs> we could easily extend for many more hours um, and maybe, you know, I have to have you back at some point. It's a big question, but if you had to sort of I don't know, think of like the most valuable lesson that you've learned in your art career thus far or in your creative, pro- just in your work as an artist thus far, what would that lesson be? I think the lesson that I'm working through right now is you never, ever know what somebody is going to think about your work. No matter, you know, 
I have, I have different collections. You know, I have my cloudscape pieces. I have my black and white work. I have some more colorful work. I have realism. And I never can predict how someone is going to relate to my work. And you really need to stop trying. And for me, that's been the big thing. Is I need to stop trying to anticipate how someone is going to react to my work because it takes away from the authenticity. And that authenticity is what people are relating to. And so the more authentic I can be, the more genuine I can be, the more open I can be in my work, the more people are responding to it. And the better my writing has gotten about my work, the better my proposals have gotten about my work, the more opportunities I've gotten. Um, I had an experience this week where a gallerist who's showing my work in a group show, um, I've known him for 10 years and it's always been a dream of mine to show in one of his smaller, you know, two or three person group shows. And he asked me to be one and one in November. And I genuinely think that it was because I become so authentic, so bold, so open and honest about, I want gallery representation. I want to be showing in museums. I want to, you know, my work, I want it to be big and experimental and open and honest and rooted in mark making and rooted in expression. Um, the more genuine I've become, the more doors have opened. It's, it's beautiful advice. And I think it's going to be really valuable for anyone that is listening right now. So Laura, thank you so much. You are just thank a joy. You, Victoria. You're an absolute <laughs> joy. It's been, it's, it's an honor getting to know you and your work and seeing your growth. And I just knew that you were going to be incredible, you know, just to have you on the podcast and to share your experience. And I knew it was going to be amazing, but it really has been such a great conversation. So mm. thank you so Victoria. much. You know, I think the world of you and, you know, for all the listeners out there, I, I cannot express um, how much wisdom this woman has to offer and just how powerful she is. Um, so, so please sweet. continue with listening to this podcast because it's, it's, it's one of my <laughs> big listens. It's probably the podcast I listen to the most. So being on here is, is a hell of an honor. Aww, um, that's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for that. That's, uh, that's so lovely and so kind and generous and... Um, yeah, an, an amazing conversation for sure. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back at some point. For, for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.